0: Hey beauty, I feel like I say this a lot, but today's topic is controversial and it's not light and necessarily happy. And honestly, this podcast has been on for a year now and I did not not have any desire to talk about these topics. I don't like them. They make me angry. But then about a few weeks ago, someone brought this up in our WhatsApp WhatsApp chat we have a WhatsApp chat for our, the women's group in our church and she was really upset and when she said something I thought to myself okay she's really upset about this are you just not going to say anything and so we talked about it a little bit with amongst the ladies in the chat ever since then I feel like I've been looking into things more there was a period of time in 2020 2021 where I was looking into a ton of things and then I feel like God told me to just trust in him to to just lay it down but I feel like he wants me to start talking about these things to look into these things more because these controversial issues are super important and the reason why I started this podcast is because I want to us women to to get healthy, to know how to take care of ourselves so that we can serve our families and our communities better. So that's why I'm bringing to you this amazing guest. Her name is Kimberly Overton. She is a registered nurse with a background in critical care. In July of 2021, she founded the 501c3 nonprofit organization Nurse Freedom Network to stand against the medical tyranny we are now facing. She is a graduate of Western Kentucky University and has worked in the healthcare industry for over 26 years serving in both clinical and administrative roles. Kimberly has a true passion for providing patient-centered care that focuses on empowering individuals through information and education. She has been a strong advocate for autonomy and informed consent throughout her career Beyond the advocacy, her larger vision for Nurse Freedom Network has always been creating opportunities for nurses to break away from this broken and oppressive sick care system and empower them to cultivate their own environment, one in which both nurses and patients alike will thrive. In 2022, she founded RemNet Nursing, a private membership membership association focused on keeping people healthy well and away from a corrupt system kimberly is also the wednesday host of the popular radio show radio show nurses out loud on the america out loud talk radio network i'm excited for you guys to meet her as i said before i do this podcast for you to serve you so if you want to hear more about these types of topics or you want to hear other topics, feel free to email me at hello at her and let me know what you want to hear. With all that being said, let's get into the show. Welcome to Her Holistic Healing. Do you want more energy and less anxiety so that you can do all the things? Are you searching for meal ideas, essential oils, and other holistic treatments? Do you wish you could know which direction to take with your health so that you could finally feel better? Hey, I'm Alexandra, I love Jesus, I'm a wife, mom of three, and registered nurse with years of experience in clinical research. I also wanted more energy so that I could have more fun and keep up with my growing child. I too was confused about all the different diet and treatment options. I too wanted to wake up every day and feel good, but I felt anxious because I couldn't solve the mystery of my health. Until God showed me that He is the source of true healing. In this podcast, you will learn holistic treatments and Bible truths that will lead you to the peace, joy, and freedom that you have been hoping for. So what do you say we take a break from the mind-numbing, humdrum, busyness? Let's rest and let God be our healer and helper. Hi, Kimberly. It's so, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I I truly appreciate it.
0: So I know that when we spoke, you wanted to talk a little bit about remnant nursing, but before that, can you just tell me a little bit about your nursing experience up until now and how it led you to where you are now.
1: Sure, absolutely. So I have been in healthcare for 26 years. I'm a registered nurse. Um, I was a critical care nurse. I worked throughout the pandemic uh, directly caring for COVID patients. And um, I ended up leaving the bedside. I started to become uncomfortable with some of the protocols that were being used within the hospital system, specifically the remdesivir, um, which we know if you look back to the trials, uh, the Ebola trials back in uh, 2000, I think it was 2015, I can't remember what year, but um, if you look back to that, you know that uh, 53% of the study participants in those trials died. So we know that this is um, a medication that has been harmful and oftentimes deadly to patients. And we continue to see it being used in patients already in renal failure when we know it's a drug that's nephrotoxic, meaning it's damaging to the kidneys. And the problem with this is that they were using this drug, which is an antiviral, and they were using it on say days 11. Well, at that point, there's no viral replication occurring. So when we're using these medications that rely on viral replication, they're not going to be effective. So I started questioning, why were we using this medication that was clearly doing more harm than good? And not only that, why were we denying our patients access to safe, effective repurposed therapeutics like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? Um, I continued to see things occurring in the hospital that in my 26 years in healthcare, I'd never seen before, such as um, intubating patients, not because they were in distress, but because it was an attempt to contain a virus um, to protect the healthcare workers. Because once they are on that ventilator, they are then on a closed circuit loop so that um, virus is no longer being disseminated into the air. So we were seeing really risky medical interventions being performed on patients that did not need them. So this was to me so egregious. I ended up leaving the bedside. I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it anymore. Watching my patients, if you know, and people don't really like when I say this, but it's as if these patients were systematically murdered. And I could not continue to watch that occur, so I ended up leaving bedside nursing I started working from home as a telephone triage nurse and. I thought that that would be a good alternative for me, and um, you know, for a while it was but there again I started to become uncomfortable with protocols that we were being asked to use, Uh, for example, they were asking us. To recommend vaccination for everyone, including children, but not only that they were wanting us to tout the vaccines, the COVID vaccines as safe and effective period and we would have no way of knowing that we had no long-term safety data so right out of the gate this was not meeting the standard for informed consent it was not something i was comfortable doing Um, so after about a week um of them asking me to do that which i never did um, i ended up resigning from my position because i just could no longer go along with this narrative that these vaccines were safe and effective, especially considering um, my going back to my time at the bedside, I had started to see um, injuries related to the vaccines very, very early on. So the short term data was alarming, to say the very least, and um, I just I could not participate in recommending an experimental vaccine like this to these parents that were, were Concern for their children, and particularly when you know children have, um, or actually the, the virus itself a ninety nine point nine eight one five percent survival rate, and you know in the absence of safety data to vaccinate these children was absolutely absurd, and in my opinion should be criminal. So
0: when you're saying all
1: this, it makes me think, why is it that so
0: much of the media, and I feel like there's there's two sides, right? There's there's people that say that you should take the vaccine and that it's effective it's safe and then um and then there's this other side i mean i don't like to you know put one side against the other but i feel like there's so much conflicting information and and i'm i'm wondering during uh, when everything was going down like in 2020 and more in 2021 what was going on in different states because i talked to one of my friends in dc he said that they didn't, they didn't really have ventilators. But if you talk to nurses in New York, like places like New York, they, they said that that was part of the protocol. They put people on ventilators right away. And there was someone that I was listening to on um, some podcast, he was saying that definitely was at first the protocol to put everyone on ventilators. So I guess I'm just curious, like why, like which states were doing this? Why was it so different? Why are we getting so many missed messages um, and all, and all that? Do you have anything to say yeah. about that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I can speak to, I was, I was nursing in the state of Tennessee uh, during the the pandemic and it was part of the protocol early intubation. was what they were pushing for. Um, I couldn't really speak to other states and why it was different, but or I could go to the You know this is just speculation but it could go back to um, the reimbursement the reimbursements that you would get at the hospitals um, via the the cares act and the prep act were different and they they were based upon um the Medicare numbers for that particular state so certain states would get far more money than others so that may have played a role in it I couldn't really that's again that's just speculation um but it, the, the the ventilators were part of that that protocol uh, initially, and it was get everybody on a, a ventilator early. And what I was seeing, you know, the, the financial incentives to these hospitals, they were getting to the tune of like some where I was in Tennessee, I believe it was uh, two hundred and sixty six thousand dollars per hospital admission, they would get money. uh, I believe it was close to thirty nine thousand dollars to put them on a ventilator. They would get more if they were on that same ventilator for ninety six hours or more. So we were seeing uh, patients placed on the ventilator and left on a ventilator for a lot longer than we would typically used to seeing. Uh, So I again, I don't I don't know about the different states or why it would be different, but it was definitely something that was being pushed. And it seemed to me when you would go into the hospital, this is why I try to always tell people to stay away from the hospitals at all costs, because if you go to the hospital and you test positive for COVID, you then have a bounty on your head. The amount of money that you can receive for that one positive COVID diagnosis, again, can be anywhere from $150,000 to $450,000, again, depending upon where you are in the Medicare reimbursements for that particular state. Um, so it was very disturbing to continue to see this happening, you know, and, and listen, I've been in healthcare, like I said, twenty-six years. It is no surprise to me that these hospital systems are placing profits over patients. That is nothing new. But it I just never realized that it, we would get to a point where we, you know, these types of things were actually murdering patients.
0: So do you think it was the same thing with from Desavir? Why? Was there such a pushback from they didn't want to prescribe ivermectin and then the whole thing with hydroxy hydro that other drug hydroxychloroquine Mm -hmm. Uh
1: ivermectin hydroxychloroquine those drugs are are pennies on the dollar remdesivir is very very expensive it's about three thousand dollars or more for a typical course which is five days um so it's it's no surprise to me that they would continue to push this drug because it's and and they were giving bonuses to hospitals that were pushing this drug they had to stick to these protocols um, exactly in order to get these reimbursements so that meant putting them on the remdesivir placing them on the ventilator um, most a lot of the hospitals were giving some were giving steroids but at such subtherapeutic doses it really wasn't helpful um, they would not give any, any vitamins or anything that anything like that. Um, so, yeah, we, we just continue to see them sticking to these NIH protocols that were deadly to these patients. It was, you know, over and over again, what we were seeing was, you know, them coming in, popping positive for COVID, and then it's, you know, remdesivir, ventilator, death, wash, rinse, repeat, over and over again, was what I was seeing throughout my time at the bedside, which was about 18 months of the pandemic.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way when you whenever someone tells me that they're going to go to the hospital, or I just, I get afraid for them, because it's not the safest place to be anymore, right? No, I'm, I'm wondering when you, like, right before you quit, were there other people that were seeing things like did were other people talking about it or was it really just you who was like saying what's going on here, this is crazy.
1: Yeah, a lot of people were talking about it, a lot of people saw it, um, you know, but not enough people spoke up not enough people were willing to to stand in the gap for these patients and say, you know, listen, I feel like as nurses, we could have put a stop to this, you know, we should have put a stop to this the moment that they told us that our patients could not have an advocate at their side, the nurses should have stood up and mass and said no more. And we really had an opportunity I know that there was a, I can't remember what state it was, but they shut down mandates the vaccine mandates with 11 it workers taking a stand. Imagine what we could have done if all of the nurses actually stood for autonomy and informed consent and and the patient's right to have an advocate at their side. Imagine the difference that we could have made, but unfortunately. um, Fear is a big component and many of these nurses were coerced into taking a vaccine that they didn't want to begin with. So you know, and if a a nurse isn't going to advocate for themselves, they are definitely not going to be advocating well for their patients.
0: And regarding the vaccine, what, what have you have you seen people that have had really bad side effects? Have you met them and spoken with them? I feel like depending on what news outlet you listen to or who you talk to, I feel like some people have not en- encountered any of that. So can you speak to some of that?
1: I can, yeah. So I actually have, and I started, like I said earlier, I had started seeing uh, vaccine injury very early on after the rollouts of the vaccine, which was December of um 2020 I believe um, started to see uh, paralysis was something that we were seeing a lot of of course the myocarditis and the cardiac symptoms we were seeing strokes we were seeing GI bleeds and you know populations we were not normally seeing that and of course the blood clots all of these things were were coming in and just numbers that I again in 26 years had never seen before um, and you know it and Dr. Peter McCullough says all the time about, you know, it is the vaccine until proven otherwise, there should there should have been and there's been alarming question since the very beginning of the rollout, but nothing has ever um, triggered any type of uh, investigational review. But I have met many, many people. So I started Nurse Freedom Network, um, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And I started that back in July of 2021 to take a stand against the unconstitutional vaccine mandates. And in doing so, I host events uh, quite frequently and I I feature speakers who have been vaccine injured. I uh, feature family members who have lost loved ones to the vaccine. I uh, feature also loved ones of those who have lost um, family members to these deadly protocols because unfortunately the media you're not hearing these stories in the media um, and my goal is to elevate these stories so that more nurses particular in particular who may not be seeing these things if they're not an ICU nurse or you know and also as nurses we do have a tendency to compartmentalize so sometimes we're just not seeing what's right in front of us so I think it's important for them to hear from nurses who have been in this unique situation and 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 hear our perspective and the perspective that they are you know really not wanting us to see but we can't ignore it any longer I've um you know people like Ernest Ramirez I don't know if you're familiar with him he lost his son his 17 uh, year old son just five days after his first dose of Pfizer and he was and that death was directly related to the vaccine he died of myocarditis people who are are suffering from neurological conditions it's so varied we have many of the cardiac symptoms but we also have neurological we have stroke um we have uh, a nurse who is suffering from transverse myelitis um and these these people's lives have been devastated they have been financially devastated they're not able to work um so we we try to support them in any way that we can at nurse freedom network so yes i answer your question yes i have been in contact with and I know of many, many hundreds and thousands of vaccine injured around this country. And I think that it went to your point, why people might not be in their eyes seeing it as I think that we um, have so many that are vaccine injured and they don't even realize that they're vaccine injured. If you think about the increase in um, cardiac conditions or turbo cancers that we're seeing Many people are just not connecting the dots to the vaccine and they just think they have an unfortunate medical diagnosis that just happens to be within, you know, um, so many weeks or months of the COVID vaccine and they are conditioned, as we all are, to believe that vaccines are safe and effective period, and that they could never cause any harm. And that's how everybody is conditioned so nobody, nobody ever connects the dots. I've really come to the conclusion and I will tell you that I didn't come into this fight anti-vax i was pro vaccine my entire life in nursing career i had all of my vaccines my child had all of his vaccines um, but when these rolled out with such um little safety information I, I had concern um so i wanted to wait and as i saw them push harder and harder for us to get it i started to become uh, more aware if you will um And I'm now really of the firm belief that we are all vaccine injured on some level. If you think about all of the instances of autoimmune conditions. I myself have multiple autoimmune conditions, and it wasn't until recently that I put it together that all of these autoimmune conditions I've suffered from since I was about 19 years old. And that was the same year that I got into healthcare and I had to take the 3 dose Hep B series in order to um, do my clinicals and, and to work. So when you think about the, the instance of autoimmune conditions, ADHD, autism, food allergies, food intolerances, all of these things these, that we're conditioned to, to feel like it's just part of life, all of this chronic illness. I mean, I'm not saying it's the, the case, it's always the case, but you have to ask the question, are, are we vaccine injured on some level and we're just not connecting those dots. So when you were seeing some of these things
0: like paralysis, blood co- blood clots, things like that with the uh, COVID vaccine, I'm wondering too, did the, do- did the doctors around you, the nurses, the other people, did they feel like, did they make the connection or were they kind of, like you said, since we're so conditioned to not believe that it's the vaccine, did they not see
1: it as well? yeah there was a a good mix i would say there were some that just weren't seeing it there were others that were seeing it but too few again were speaking out um, because they didn't want to lose their job or their license you know they were if you you recall about a year ago they started talking about the board the nursing boards um stripping nurses and doctors of their licensure for disinformation or misinformation but the problem with that is who decides what's misinformation and what's disinformation Um, So anybody that was speaking out against the accepted narrative was at risk of losing their license. And I've said from the very beginning, you know, they can, you know, if the only way that I can be a nurse and continue to be a nurse is is, um, to just abandon all of the ethical principles of nursing, uh, to uh, deny informed consent and autonomy to my patients, then they can have my license. They can absolutely take it. Um, So far, so far, so good. Nobody's come to get it. But, you know, I answer to a higher authority than, you know, the CDC or the FDA or anything like that. Um, So I was never going to put my paycheck above a human life. Yeah, I love
0: I love what you're doing. I love that you actually took a stand. And I want to thank you for that. Um, I also want to go into um, remnant nursing and some other things that you're you're doing. But before that, I'm interested because when I heard you on another podcast, I think you started researching other vaccines. I'll just say for me, I feel like it was divine intervention in 2020 before, like early in January, before every, the world went crazy. I feel like I went down this, this research trail of the history of vaccines, what's really going on with them, the true safety and effectiveness. And I was, it blew my mind and I'm just wondering the things that you found if you can share some of those things
1: yeah I I mean I started going down this rabbit hole much like you did you know this COVID really peeled my eyes wide open the only education that nurses receive on vaccines is safe effective and necessary that's all doctors receive made a little more than that you know so we're always it's just it's honestly it's a lie that we're sold from the very beginning and there's no evidence, and this is what people don't understand. There's no evidence linking a decrease in mortality to any vaccine. That we have clean water systems to think uh, It's not. It's not vaccines. There's zero evidence that it has decreased mortality of any disease. So that's important to remember. Um, but books, you know, a really good book I like to tell people, uh, "Turtles All the Way Down." If you're familiar with that, "Vaccine uh, Myth and Safety," I believe it's called. Um, is an incredible book to read and I, I do encourage all parents to do their own independent research on these vaccines, on the safety and efficacy of these vaccines. Please do not rely on your pediatricians to to do this for you. Because I can tell you again, I've been in this field for a long time. These doctors are not doing their own independent research. I won't say none of them do, but the majority of them do not. They do not have time to do their own independent research because of the way that this system is designed. Pediatricians and family medicine practitioners are all financially incentivized to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars to ensure compliance to the CDC schedule, so it's really important to note that and understand that it is going to be up to you as parents to do the research, do your due diligence, and ensure that um, this is this this is something that you want for your child. Um, or if in one thing I I found really compelling, again I had never looked at this stuff before. I'd always just like everybody else been conditioned to think that you know vaccines were were the way. But we start looking at the um, health outcomes of vaccinated versus unvaccinated children, and that's where it became really, really compelling. So we would look at uh, like the instance uh, of uh, autism, for example. Right now it's one in every, uh, I believe it's 33 children, are on the spectrum. And if you look at that same data among unvaccinated children, the instance of autism is virtually zero, and that's pretty compelling. That's pretty compelling, but again, you look at all of the increase in chronic illness, ADHD, autism, and you—you you ha- it begs the question: Are these? I think we're up to now ninety-four doses when we add the COVID vaccine into the schedule. Ninety-four doses for these children—it um, is not a stretch—and we're jabbing them on day one of life for a disease that's blood bloodborne that they, that they're not at risk for. So it, it's not a stretch to say that these could be causing many of these uh, childhood chronic illnesses. And this is the sickest generation of children that we've had in years. I do believe that the vaccines have
0: something to do with the autism. Um, I know that there are other causes, but I feel like I've been hearing more recently how it seems like certain children were fine and then all of a sudden, they they just start to regress and we really need to look at what's going on here because the, the children are you know the future of our nation and we we need to be taking care of them i'm wondering what you think about the censorship going on because in 2019 actually that's it's when i was blogging and then a few of the bloggers were saying that all of a sudden google changed their algorithm and now they're basically putting natural health sites way down on their on their search engine. And I think there are some natural health companies that just lost a ton of hits. And that was back in 2019. So I feel like, and I'm mentioning this because a friend of mine was asking me what I thought about vaccines. And then I started to look through the things that I had researched early in 2020. And some of those things have been taken down. So I feel like, in a way it's it's harder for us to find out the truth is that how you feel as well
1: oh absolutely absolutely the censorship is real um you know and and people will will continue to say you know we have to be careful because you know communism is coming to america communism is here we are we are literally living under it if you ask me um because we can't they control everything they control the narrative they control the media um these captured government agencies big pharma um control the, the, and the corporations control everything. They control the government. So that's fascism. And we're seeing this over and over again. And, and you know, unfortunately, not enough people are standing up and resisting and saying, you know, we're not going to tolerate this any longer. You know, the the what's really important to know is like we have the numbers to right the ship, but people lack the courage. And that's what I hope and I hope that I know many of us in this fight hope to inspire and encourage others that they have a voice and that they can stand up and and um, resist and say no because we have the 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 numbers and we have the power lies with the people and it always has. We just have to find the courage.
0: Yeah, I agree. We need to have more courage um what are some good resources they can look into if they want to find out the sure. truth about vaccines
1: yeah i i like um vac safety the the vaccine safety Research foundation is a, an excellent res uh resource um children's health defense is also a good uh, resource that's childrenshealthdefense.org turtles all the way down is something i recommend for all parents to read you can get that on um, amazon uh, is where i have found it And that is definitely a good book i would recommend that for all parents to read that before vaccinating their child um and again and discuss it with your with your pediatrician i personally don't even recommend pediatricians any longer because honestly the outside of a well wellness visit where they're jabbing the babies they you know we we can weigh and measure and track milestones all on our own we don't need a a, doctor to do that because really at this point it seems like that's all they're doing is is jabbing those babies um and we need to put a stop to that so um let's talk a little bit
0: about remnant nursing and nurse freedom network
1: Sure. So, yeah, again, I started Nurse Freedom Network. Um, I I started it out. It really just started as a Facebook group, and it really quickly evolved from there. Um, We started doing some protests at local hospitals that were firing their nurses back in 2021 and started advocating. I was speaking at events across the country, Defeat the Mandates, um, both D.C. and L.A., and different medical freedom rallies and events uh, across the United States, and... um, But my larger vision beyond the advocacy was always to create opportunities for nurses to be able to break away from a broken and oppressive system. And listen, these problems that we have in this system, they're not anything new and they definitely predate COVID. We've had problems with safe staffing and with low pay and and all of this for decades. These problems have uh, plagued our profession. And I got tired of asking for change and begging for change that's not coming. So I decided that it was really you know what i wanted to do was create and cultivate an environment where nurses and patients alike are going to be able to thrive so alongside of my 501c3 at nurse freedom network we um, launched remnant nursing which is a 508 c1a private membership association so we don't answer to the edicts of anyone no hospital no insurance company it's a cash base uh cash basis only we take you know obviously credit cards and all of that but we do not take insurance at all unfortunately because we can't that they unfortunately will dictate the care that is provided. So it's private membership association. Um, it's $30 a month to, uh, to join the, uh, or $300 for the year. You a little discount rate if you do the annual uh, membership. But we have an incredible team of nurses that are working with patients and working to keep them healthy, keep them well and away from a corrupt sick care system. We want to keep them out of the hospitals. You know, more and more, I believe that patients are starting to realize that they are safer at home with a nurse, if they were to get sick, um, than they are going to the hospital. And that's something that we are able to provide. We are doing a lot of virtual work now, but we are also beginning to place nurses in homes as necessary in certain areas. Um, And you know if it gets to a point where that patient needs to escalate to a hospital our nurse goes right there with them and they have an advocate at their side throughout that admission and there's value in that as I described earlier what was happening in the hospitals when you come in there with a COVID diagnosis for example. Um, But this is something that we are, all of our nurses are trained in functional medicine and more holistic modalities. If you come out like I did, I was very allopathically trained, and I understood that I needed to find a different perspective, because I started questioning everything after this, and I wanted to learn how to nurse from a different perspective using more holistic modalities. So we have educational programs for nurses that get them trained in uh, functional medicine and homeopathy. Uh, IV fluid, hydration, uh, different different programs like that. And we also offer, offer micro-franchising opportunities for these healthcare workers, nurses, and others who are interested in um, these different educational opportunities. They have um, the chance to earn up to 90% of all their consultations that they do on, with remnant nursing, based upon how much education they get holistically.
0: That's amazing. I feel like, this remnant nursing, it's kind of the first of its kind, right? Or is there anything else like that out there?
1: I mean, there are different, like there are different, I think it's a very unique business model. I will say that there are, you know, different, obviously, you know, holistic and functional medicine things that are popping up. But I I really feel like it's, it's unique in that it's creating these opportunities for nurses who are ready to break away from the system. They know that there's a better way, but they're just, you know, they're not ready to, they don't feel like they can or even know that they can do anything, you know, outside of being a hospital employee. And by doing this, we have them come under our PMA. They work under the protections of our PMA. Um, Again, they're able to earn um, for a very it's a very affordable buy in. And then they are able to earn up to 90 percent of everything that we bring in the door. The nurse always gets the lion's share. They're doing all the work Um, and, and they get this education and they can understand that. You know, it doesn't have to be the the way the most depressing thing for me about being a nurse, even pre-COVID, when I worked in the ICU, was that ninety percent, I would say eighty-five to probably ninety percent of everything that we saw work walk through those ICU doors was completely preventable with lifestyle modification. So being able to actually work with these patients and getting them healthy, getting them well, finding the source of what is causing their autoimmune conditions and eradicating that and watching them thrive is an incredible gift for these nurses um and it's it's you know why we all got into nursing to begin with was to help people to get people healthy and to provide compassionate care and that's something that we're able to do outside the system and um, i think it's been a wonderful opportunity for patients it's been a wonderful opportunity for nurses and uh, you know and then we have different options as well. So for COVID, for example, we, we have ivermectin and we are able to ship ivermectin overnight to uh, we, globally. We can, we can, we have our PMA is worldwide. So we can ship ivermectin next day around the world. So we um, have kits that we do for prevention, for early treatment, um, for long haul and for vaccine injury. We have programs for first responders. Who have been vaccine injured as well as wellness programs for first responders and for pilots. Um, we've um, worked very closely with U.S. Freedom Flyers, and we offer deeply discounted rates to to their members and to members of um, different first responder groups as well. That's great. That's really
0: exciting. Um, did you want to talk about Nurse Freedom Network or any events coming up, or what yeah. else? What else you got?
1: Yeah, we do have an event coming up. Um, So we host the American Freedom Nurses Summit, which is part of the larger American Health and Freedom Summit. And our next one, we've done about three of them so far. Uh, The next one is going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's gonna be November 3rd through the 5th. And we're really, really excited about this. We have an incredible lineup of speakers. Uh, Nurses, Jody O'Malley will be there. Um, We've got Dr. Richard Urso will be there. Dr. Kat Lindley, Dr. John Witcher, um, uh, nurse Ashley Grog will be there. Um, just, I mean, just so many incredible speakers, but that's November 3rd through the 5th, and if you're interested in uh, learning more about that, you can go to wellnessparenting.info for tickets. Um, that's uh, the next one that we've got coming up, and then we do hold these about every, I would say, three to four months, and we go to different states uh, around the, the country. And try and like I said, reach people. We feature vaccine injured and we feature people who have unfortunately lost loved ones to these deadly protocols. Again, just trying to reach more people and, and elevate those stories that you're not hearing in the mainstream media.
0: Yeah, I'm so I keep saying this, but I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you do. Um, as we close, is there anything else, any tips, any advice, any last words of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, again, I would just import on people um, to please use extreme caution. get yourself healthy, get yourself well. Um, Constant detox, continual detoxification is is going to be the way um, forward. We even if you're not vaccinated, um, we have to be concerned about uh, shedding as well. So, uh, real and and really, there's no end in sight. And it's not just the vaccines. It's you know whether it be the the air we breathe, the food we eat, the water we drink. You know we're we're being attacked from every angle. So the best defense that we have is to get ourselves in optimal immune health. So co- continual detoxification is so, so important. Um, that is something that we can help with at Remnant Nursing. I will tell you, if you want to visit us, you can go to remnantnursing.org um, and learn more about what we do. And I would encourage you to sign up for a membership. You can cancel any time. Um, we've had 100% positive feedback. People are having a wonderful experience with our nurses and they're actually getting well, which has been amazing to, to witness. So again, stay out of the hospital at all costs, do not test for COVID. Um, You can refuse, you can refuse any medical intervention, always be aware of that. And our nurses, um, aside from doing the coaching and all of that and the ivermectin for COVID, we also do advocacy. We are also partnered with, and I think I should mention this, we're partnered with um, Pure Blood Registry, where we are advocating for uh, people who are looking to procure unvaccinated blood for medical blood transfusions and um, planned medical procedures so we do offer those advocacy services as well Um, so please feel free to reach out to us through the website at remnantnursing.org and we are happy to connect with you
0: great besides what you mentioned are there any other websites or instagram or anything else that you want to share so that they can connect with you
1: yeah so um and my Substack is a really good one. I'm censored everywhere else, but uh, nursefreedomnetwork.substack.com. You can subscribe for updates. And I should probably just give you my Hype link because that connects all of our social media um, for Nurse Freedom Network, which is nursefreedomnetwork.org. But um, you can go to hype.co forward slash Kimberly underscore nfn and that's my hype link that connects you to all of my social media and all of the websites and also i would be remiss to tell you that i am also the wednesday host on nurses out loud on the america out loud talk radio network um so that's another um, thing you can follow and that is included in that link as well
0: i'm so glad that you took the time to listen today If you liked what you heard, will you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts so that this show can reach more people? And if you want to connect with me, go to herholistichealing.com. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For you. It's easy and mine. Bird is
1: light.